So welcome back to another MotoGP Mac podcast with myself, Mac, and Jake. And today we have a special guest, Steve Parrish, on with us ahead of the Northwest 200 that is coming up. Uh, so welcome, Steve. And uh, how has life been? Uh, life's been great, actually. Um, I've uh, had a cracking start to the year. Uh, spent three weeks in South Africa riding a lovely RG500 out there. Um, Ooh, a couple of classic game. events there, came back and was straight into a surprise 70th birthday that my wife stitched me up with, with about <laughs> 120 of my friends turned up that I didn't know were going to, and it was really nice to see them apart from the £7,000 bar bill that I got at the end of it, <laughs> it was worth it, because you're only, you're only 70 once, I think, and then yeah. I had my son's wedding last weekend, which was really cool. Uh, it all went very well, and this coming weekend I'm at Goodwood racing a car for a change, not a motorcycle. So hmm. busy time, and then after that I'm off to the Northwest 200, and then I get a week off, and then I'm out to the TT. So yeah, quite hmm. a busy start to the year. No, very I busy. I should I should really be retired, but I don't really like all that. I like being busy and like doing things that um, that fascinate me. Well, they say that you can sleep when you're dead. Isn't that, isn't that true? So yeah. No, yeah. Rest, no rest for the and, wicked. And of, co- and of course, uh, I love giving money away to bar bills and weddings and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you right. feel like you're sucking the money right out of your pockets as you walk by. <laughs> Everyone going, thanks, oh, well, Steve. Yeah, okay, thanks. Well, sure. As they say in Ireland, isn't it? The best party is the party you don't know about until you get the bill. Of That's course. the one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, but look, well, belated happy birthday anyway. And uh, Thank you. Again, look, thanks for coming on. So, I suppose we just have a couple of questions to go through. Um, I suppose about MotoGP, and then we focus mainly on on road racing. Uh, since you touch on both, but um, so you've at this stage seen a couple of races in MotoGP with the new race format. What you, what are your thoughts on it? What do you like it? Do you not like it? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, maybe if I was doing it, I wouldn't because the guys are all kind of saying, oh, it's a bit too much and everything else. But uh, I think now I'm a, a spectator and I watch it on TV. Uh, I watch the race. I've been out in my house in Mallorca, so I kind of was watching it out there. And I think it's great. Yeah, it's um, exciting. I like the sprint race because it gives the guys a chance to give the bike everything because it's there's so much of this kind of making sure my tyre survives and this happens and that happens. So, um, and I'm aware that there's been more accidents this year and people are going, what can we do to stop accidents? You can't do anything about it. If people want to go fast and push to 99%, they're going to fall off. And so I guess as the season goes on, someone's going to wake up and say, well, look, I might as well finish fifth 10 times and finish first five times and crash five times. So that's Mm. probably what's going to happen. But it's ridiculous to say it's dangerous having shorter races because People are going to race as fast as they can. Um, every single person has a fuse in their head, and that fuse, if it doesn't blow, then you crash. And so mm-hmm. you, you just have to work things out. And that, that was the same with when I was racing. It was the same when Jeff Duke was racing and whoever you want to think about because you go as fast as you can without falling off, and that's the end of the story. Um, and that's what wins championships, by getting lots of points as many times as you can. Points equal praises. It's... It's true, it's true. But uh, a question that I do have, though, as well, is on... Jacob Growl at me now for this, right? But on Aero, 
are you a fan or are you not a fan of the Arrow? Yeah, I, I am actually a fan of any technology that can come into making anything faster. Um, and if you think about it, when Aero first came in, everyone said, oh, what a waste of time. It's rubbish. But if you went out and, and you've got 20,000 pounds in your pocket now, you're going to go and buy a motorcycle that has Aero on it. Now, yeah. whether it's beneficial, probably not to the bloke that's riding it. It's not, but the guy's going to pay his £20,000 to have what Bagnaya has on his bike or Mark Marquez has on his bike or whatever. People want what is the top end of technology. It's, um, it's dining out on it. It's when you're at a dinner party and you talk about, you know, you've got a bike that's the same as Mark Marquez's or um, that's, that's life. And so eventually people work out that racing develops a better product for the road. Um, motorcycles are slightly different because let's face it, nowadays you pay your 30, 40,000 pounds for your Ducati that's got wings on it and it's got traction controls and it's got this on it. 99.9% of the people aren't going to use it, but they're going to talk about the fact that they've got it Mm -hmm. and they're going to spend their money. So, you know, it's, yeah, I don't mind it. I think I love it. I, I actually watch the arrows. I watch the kind of shape shifter systems and I watch that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love it. Yeah, I think it's technology that will actually eventually feed itself back into the road vehicles. Uh, that's as long as well, I don't know how long it's going to be. Luckily, I'll be dead when they get rid of everything that's electric and shit. Um, but frankly, I think technology is wonderful. I love seeing people coming up with great ideas. And, and, and I think it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm actually an engineer in uh, I started off as being a mechanic and an engineer, and I find it all absolutely fascinating. So if they get rid of it, then I think it's it's ridiculous because uh, people should be able to use their brains and their, their abilities to develop products that are beneficial. Exactly. Yeah, my, fam- my whole family are engineers, and I was always an engineer nut. I thought I wanted, went finance, but and, and at this point, when they have so much horsepower, it's my opinion, they have so much horsepower, so much speed, people say, oh, just drop it off. Oh, that's good. Put your butt on there and see if you want to drop it off when you come into that corner. Because now it's a safety device. Now you have to. It's now it's a need, not a an option. Yeah. You know, it's the sure. speed. Uh, Everybody I wants agree. the speed, but they don't want it. They want it to look like 1950. You know, it just doesn't work that yeah. way. Yeah. No, no. Uh, and and let's face it, MotoGP particularly, Superbikes will probably end up that way. It's really drag racing between corners. Um, and if you watch it, that it's a way of muddling it around the corner, and then the guy that can accelerate from turn 13, whatever the final corner is, to turn one down the main straight, is going to yeah. be in front. And you cannot use 300 horsepower, which they've got, uh, without some kind of assistance, whether it be a shape shifter, whether it's aerodynamics, I don't know, whatever yeah. it is. And if you want to win races, you want to pass down the straights. So that's I was told very early days in my race, and the best place to pass is down the straights, much safer. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it is. I mean, it looks a bit ridiculous at times, but frankly, racing is racing. And if the rules allow you to do it, then do it. Um, And I think it's absolutely fascinating. But it doesn't take anything away from it. The racing's been as good as we've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. It's not as if it's it's wrecking the racing, not at all. Yep. Yeah, Christ, where are they? Do you get the top 10 riders and they're within a half second of each other? I mean, it's it's amazing. We always use Formula One as a, a base marker, and that is false racing because they have their whatever it's called, the wing that opens up, and that's DRS, a bit like yeah. saying 
That's yeah. a, that's like saying a bag night. You can't get under the screen if you're in front, but the guy behind can. So, mm. you know, that to me, that's manufactured overtaking. But I think at the moment, what we've got is technology that people are, uh, are developing. Unless I think Ducati really you've got to give them credit for it, and I take my hat off to the guys. They're the ones that are out there leading at the front. They're the guys that are coming up with great ideas, and everyone else is having to copy them. So good on them. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, look, I, look, I agree with. You. I, I'm not a fan in the way that I just hope that there's a limit. Not a limit is wrong, but you don't get like you have in Formula One, where rider or where drivers have to use a step to get into the car to step over all the aerodynamic devices that the rider can get on and off the bike normally. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's, that's something that's going to happen. But no. But the guys, I, I, I mean, they are very young and they're very smart. They've got an awful lot to do on a bike now. I mean, I have to mm. say, when I was riding um, and, and up until probably 20 years ago, that you kind of, all you did, had to do is twist the throttle at the right time and put the brakes on at the right time. And, and it wasn't easy because you had like engines that didn't have nice torques and nice power bands. But nowadays they've got to press buttons and do this and do that and fix it for the start. And so yeah, yeah. It, it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's become slightly more complicated, but they're young and they can absorb it. And if they don't learn it, they don't win. That's very true. And look, I think I think the learning from an earlier age really does help as well. Do you know what I mean? You look at, like, right. I, I have a boy that's 12, right? He can whip me around on an iPad or, or a thing, and I'm fairly tech savvy myself. Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden he's like, yeah, yeah, but you just do this and that. And, uh, nope, we lost you. We lost him again. Yeah, I lost oh, you for a second, but there we go. Yeah, I think um, it's it, it's uh, it's brilliant to watch youngsters what they can do, and the motorcycle has <laughs> become um, a fairly high tech piece of equipment nowadays. But then, what hasn't realistically? And I can barely work my coffee machine. So <laughs> it's um, it, it's it's wonderful, and I really applaud the people that are out there thinking of new ways of making things go faster. Brilliant, and. I suppose I, I split this question into two. You know, when you watch MotoGP, what's your brand, or which are the, which are the ones that you're really pulling for to to succeed? Is it Ducati? Is it like KTM? I, I don't ever have a manufacturer. I have a rider normally. Um, yeah, that's well, that's the next question. The, that, that's <laughs> one of the nice things about motorcycling is that you tend to, and I have, and I think most people do. They tend to pull for a rider doesn't matter what the machine he's on you just watch what his skills and abilities are and um and follow that and it's very um it's very human motorcycle racing because you can see that person doing what he's doing he's doing his job in front of you he's he's using his body weight and shifting himself around and then on top of that part of his character comes into it so you you end up uh, I wouldn't say loving is not the right word, but you end up enjoying well, a rider um, for, for a number of things. His skill, his ability, his bravery, his character, his politeness, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. that, that's what I've always followed. And I think that's um, something that we need to continue. And yeah. I'm probably going to go on more than what your question is. And, and the problem is we have a situation where I get asked it and you might do. And it gets on a regular daily basis. Where's the next character coming from in motorcycle racing? Mm -hmm. Well, we're hardly ever going to see one because the riders that are on the grid now, the majority uh, don't have characters because they've, they've had it sucked out of them. They've come from.
from the age of six years old riding bikes. At 13, they're in some kind <coughs> of academy. And at 15, they've got a psychiatrist, a dietitian, a, a gym. They've got everything. They're, they're not yeah. really human beings. They're homogenized beings that have been funneled or honed into a rider. Yeah, so yeah. how can you find a character? Because they've probably never had a shag behind the bus shelter. <laughs> in my era did. And, and, you know, had had a fag, yeah. uh, you know, at the back of the school. Uh, you know, they're not yeah. normal human beings. And that's not just motorcycle racers. That will be footballers. That will be tennis players. That will be rugby. You know, everybody in this sport, in, a, in the world of sport now, are somebody that's never had what I call a proper life. Yeah, so yeah, they're not yeah, going to be a character that we all know. And, yeah, and, and yeah. motorcycle racers, being anyone that takes risks like that, had a tendency to be hell raisers in, in, in normal life. Like back in your day, they were all everybody was hell raisers because people who take risks like that, and I gotta say I was one of them, I was a wild kid, you know, you know, take risks, they have a tendency to, you know, hit the bottle or chase broads and things of that nature. You know what I mean? Like you say, have the shag well, because and all that, you know. I don't yeah, I, I don't think um, I certainly didn't, and I don't think there's many people of my era. It's changed, obviously, because I'm talking years and years and years ago. You didn't start out life thinking I'm going to be a motorcycle racer. You just ride a, rode a bike around the road, and then you saved up some money, and you went racing and found out you were pretty good at it. And you, But you'd had what I call a normal, balanced life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you didn't necessarily have to have a load of money to do it, whereas now you kind of feel as though initially you have to come from a relatively privileged family to get your first spot on that first rung of the do, ladder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think, you, you know, you have to accept that there won't be another character out there because all you'll get is a someone that is absolutely brilliant at what they do at a very, very high level. And you have to enjoy that. But you're not mm. going to get anyone that's going to say or do anything stupid because they get fired for doing something. You know, yeah, normal yeah. Stupid. I think I think and I think that's the key that's, that's changed. Like, like I, I remember the days gone by of uh, racing in Mandela on Saturday and Sunday and Saturday night you were in prosperous disco dancing mm. the night away ahead of the race Sunday morning but um, but I think it, it's changed now it's become very corporate and very PC and you can see sure. you can see MotoGP I suppose going the way of Formula 1 where it's all about advertising image sponsorship mm. and mm. that is taking over which is killing I suppose the kind of the bad boy look of of what bikes used to used to be. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. But saying that, yeah, who's your world champion for twenty twenty three? I'm gonna go. I, I mean, I don't know because because there is so many variables in these things. But I think it will be a Ducati because I think they're leading the way in technology. Um, and I think from what I've seen, and he made a stupid mistake, but I think the current world champion will go on to win another one. Bagnaia, I think, is a, a very level head on very young shoulders. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's hugely talented. But, you know, there are lots of the injuries are the biggest issue now, aren't they? I mean, OK, they've got airbags and they've got great crash helmets and great boots, great gloves and everything else. But it's so easy just to snap a bone and, and you're out of it for a short period of time and that will ruin your championship. But exactly I, before the start, before the start of the season, I have a little bet with some mates and I still had Marquez down, but he's not going to do it now because he, he sort of busted himself up again. He, but, he did. and I also thought that Honda would get their shit together, which I don't think they have. So, yeah. so uh, my, my gamble has gone out the window already, but after seeing the first three races, I think Bagnaya, is um, he made a silly mistake at the last one, but I think he's still going to be the man. 
Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I have a question for Steve, though. You know, I'm not that I, – I don't have the skill level, let's face it, for, for when they say that he made a mistake. When I look at it as a, as a spectator and I see a guy and he's going that fast and they're at that edge, it always amazes me when somebody says they made a mistake. Did they really make a mistake or it just happens? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, haven't, I, I haven't looked at the data and whatever, but I'm going to guess, and this is just a wild guess, that he probably went into that corner at four kilometres faster uh, and held the brake on for 0.6 of a second longer and just like, tucked the front out. And that he, was he that said, unfortunate. Yeah. He said he lasted that, on the gas, so it was probably the bike transitioning, but he was probably yeah. going faster. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's minute because, as I said, to win races, you've got to be on 99.9% or 99.8%, and if you're at 101, which is like, fuck all, um, excuse my French, it's, um, it's going to fall it. down. And so... He'll look back on it. He'll be cross with himself, but he'll come back again, I'm sure, and he'll learn from that. He was already kind of dominating the race to a certain extent. He got the job sorted out. But everyone, you're human beings. You know, you make mistakes. God forbid the day that they make it so that you can't make a mistake. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, I suppose on to uh, road racing and, and the Northwest, um, which is actually... Probably one of my favorite ones because it's so condensed. John, I know there is the practice all week, but like it's like Thursday race, Saturday then mm. all day. Mm. You know, you in the commentary box, which for many years I streamed. Uh, I think it's going back about. I'm not going to say too long, but I'd say about ten, twelve years, listening on BBC. Yeah. And if you can imagine Ireland, you couldn't really get BBC properly down here, so we to flick around through the radio stations to actually tune it right in to get the northwest so there was no obviously there was nothing online at this stage nowadays things are a little bit different it's it's much easier um i suppose what are you looking forward to most about this year's northwest it'd have to be the guinness in the, the harbour bar yeah. <laughs> well, no no i'm kidding I, I like you i love the northwest for me it's probably my favorite event i love the people that are out there i um Enjoy the beautiful area on the north coast up there. Uh, I love road racing, mass start road racing. And, uh, and, and you haven't seen it yet, but I have, and I can't tell you too much about it, but there's an amazing entry with some incredible motorbikes. Uh, in theory, it's the biggest and best entry at the northwest I've seen in the 10, 12, 15 years that I've been doing it. Um, and I reckon there's potentially seriously five or six winners in each race particularly the superbike races, superstock races, there's such a depth in it um, of different motorcycles, all winners in the past, um, and it, it should be a cracking cracking race week. Um, yeah. As you rightly say, Thursday and Saturday now, and that was done purely because of weather. Uh, yeah. we've, we've had so many times when Saturday's been a washout, so at least now you get four races away on Thursday and, and get the ball rolling, um, and, and let's hope that we can have some decent weather. Um, but I've had some, you know, as you were saying, you probably listened to some of the, the crap we've spoken. I've sat in that commentary booth with Richard Nichols on all day long talking absolute bollocks uh, yeah. because there's not been any action on the track. And um, I hope we don't have to do that again. It was quite funny doing it, but it, I just hope we don't have to do it again. Yeah, bring, bringing in guests to beat the band just to, to try yeah. and break up. What, like, and the, and the, the, the the guests wanted to come because it was the only place that was drier. <laughs> <laughs> get out the 
blasting <laughs> rain off the, the Irish Sea. Mm. Definitely, and I like I always remember like I I, I remember it vividly, you know, you trying to fill the time, and it was never till I started this channel that I actually go, oh my god, how difficult is that? Like, so we would do a podcast mm. maybe for an hour, Joe. You know I mean, and sometimes if it was a lean week in in MotoGP, we're like, how do we how do we extend this? Mm. But like you were extending it for like eight nine eight hours, like it was it was like it was like unbelievable no obviously you I, have... I think i think the funniest story for me was in the commentary booth again i think it was richard nichols when unfortunately there was a bomb scare and they cleared the paddock out and they forgot about us <laughs> still sat in there and everyone else had gone yeah. <laughs> really bloody well going <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but yeah it's it's um it's an amazing event and you know, I'm really glad that they got the situation sorted with the the insurances and all of that to make sure that road racing was happening this year in Northern Ireland. Hopefully, Southern Ireland uh, can get it sorted out too. Because mm. um, there is nothing quite like sitting on a ditch and watching people go past you at 200 miles an hour is just... Mm. It, it is yeah, just sure. mind-blowing. And there's a, 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 a guy actually on... Um, on the channel called Sleepwalker, who lives and breathes road racing, so he goes to every single road race event in Ireland himself, his missus, and the caravan appeared out, and he's happy out sitting on the ditch, sending pictures and mm. videos. Mm. Um, so look, it, it it is great, but you have raced around there yourself. Like, how do you if you were to describe to a normal person? why or how or what or why Joe, why is it so appealing what would you say to them well um i think i'd say the same as probably racing at the tt and the northwest it's it's mad it's wild you question your sanity at the time you're doing it but you have so much fun uh, at the end of it really uh, I often describe racing motorcycles a bit like doing exercise. You really don't want to go and do it, but you feel so much better when you've had having done it. Um, yeah. And 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 the adrenaline buzz that you get from it when you're slipstreaming people and it's like you know it could be three times down this main straight. You have to remember when I was doing it, there was no chicane, so the straights were considerably yeah. longer. Um, yeah. And you were on a TZ750 yeah. Yamaha, you were. You know, I'd be with John Newville, John Williams and Joey Dunlop and we'd all be slipstreaming one another. And then it wouldn't be the once, it'd be the three or four times before you got down to the Metropole. Um, and you had snot running out your nose because your helmet didn't fit properly and there was wind blasting in it. And you were doing 180 miles an hour and bouncing off the bumps, thinking, what the hell am I doing? But when that checkered flag came out and you're on the podium there, you knew exactly why you were doing it. So exactly. it's very hard to describe. I actually, maybe slightly less now, but... I've always enjoyed scaring myself, and that sounds rather stupid, but I've loved pushing the boundaries to what I feel is the the maximum. And I'm yeah. very probably happy to be as old as I am because I never, ever expected to be this old. If I had done, I'd have looked after myself more, I'm sure. But you just, <laughs> at the time, you're just living for the day. You're living for the minute, living for the second, and it was brilliant. Um um, and I was one of the lucky ones, I guess you could say, because if you looked at the grid of 1978, probably at the Northwest 200, there's probably 50% that aren't here anymore. That, it was true. that bad. It was that dangerous. But that made it even more exciting. It yeah, was horrible yeah. and disastrous. But it, you just knew that you were, you were pushing that envelope too far. But if you got 
out of it, you loved what you did. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's how I could describe the Northwest. But I'm sure that there's people that jump out of aeroplanes at 30,000 feet or whatever, and there's people that climb Mount Everest and do that, get the same feeling. But yeah. because I loved engines and motorbikes, that's what I ended up doing. So uh, there's, I do often feel sorry for people that have never done anything quite like that. Because never, yeah, they yeah. probably have never experienced that adrenaline fix and the fun that you get from it. But, 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 there is a but. I feel also sorry for people that have probably done all that and then find their life rather hollow because they can't do it anymore. Milky comes to mind how, how, how much he wants to ride, race in the TT again. Now he gets involved, Milky Quail, do you remember with his crash? Who's that? No. Sorry, sorry. Milky Quail. Oh, yeah, Milky Quail. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, Milky he Quail, to... that. He'll, he's, he's going to have a heart attack soon just talking about it. Um, yeah, he, look, you could see him right Milky Quail. Milky Quail doing a lap of the TT on a video screen now. He's going to have a coronary sooner or later because he's like just on the rev limit and he's, I don't know what his heartbeat is. And that's just talking about the pictures, let alone doing exactly. it again. But you, you can um, see how much he loves it, but he can't do it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's I kind know. Of... And, 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 and he's lucky because he's got a he's got a position in life where he can kind of carry on involved with it. And like I always manage to do. But I do know mm. people that are really mm, just I know they're missing it. And, and you can see it in them. They just they can't do it anymore. But they sort of feel that they. Nothing else is very interesting in life after doing Northwest TT and things like that. Exactly. And this came came with kind of one of my questions is that like that 15 minutes before the race, so before you say you make the walk through the tunnel in, a, in, in on, on the, the Northwest, like hmm. how are the nerves? What, what, what goes, what goes through your mind before you get it? Like, is it, is it focused? first thing that goes through your mind is I hope there's not a big coup for the toilet. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that could hold proceedings up and um i mean it it really is the trepidation is huge um particularly like at the tt when you've got oh the board goes up with mist on the mountain and damp under glen helen because of the trees and this that, and the other so it's another trip to the toilet but it's a time when you you're planning what you want to do how you want to do it uh, you're focused at exactly what you're doing, but you are also questioning yourself. Well, this is me. I'm not talking about everyone else. I hear someone like Peter Hickman say he's not nervous. I don't believe him, but he says that. But I was always hugely nervous. I'd try to hide it as best I could. But you, you do question yourself. You're thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why am I about to get on this motorbike and go over these traffic lights and down Bray Hill at 150 miles an hour and and, and possibly see a bloody sheep run across in front of me and hit a pigeon at Ramsey and, and all these things that go through your head. But it just disappears as soon as that get tap on the shoulder. You have nothing else in your head. Even if your wife's about to divorce you and run off with your best mate or the VAT man's after you or the tax man's after you, you don't think about anything else. You are on your own. And that's sometimes quite nice. Yes. Isn't it? That saying, the man hunched, hunched over his motorcycle is uh, can only focus on the present. He draw. He's not worried yeah. about his past, future, or whatever. Sure, so sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you are literally it's man and machine fighting the, the elements. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, the two of you against the world. So, two questions now. Last questions on um, on the northwest specifically. You know, what is your favorite or what was your favorite section of the triangle in, in the Northwest? 
I think most guys love the coast road um, because mm-hmm. that's where you make a bit more difference than the bike. Um, right. And it is that section out the Metropole there and underneath the station and Black Hill and all that. Uh, that that's probably where you, your short circuit comes into it or your your cor- corner braking abilities all come into it. But the, the Northwest, I would say, is the one race, T2 to a certain extent, but the one race where you really have to think about what you're up to. Your intelligence kicks in <laughs> because you are planning that last lap. Beware, and, and it's no good. It's no good being leading down the, you know, out probably well now it used to be from coal rain because that was a you know it's flat out all the way yes. but now it's that section down to the metropole there's no good leading out of there with three guys behind you because you know full well you're going to be fourth when you get to the metropole and then it's all about scraping your way through there so there's a hell of a lot of planning and i can distinctly remember uh you know thinking right i know where i want to be i know whose bike's fast i want to be behind him and so you're not only trying to wring the neck of the bike and go around the corners as far as you can you're also trying to plan that last lap and we've seen it on numerous occasions where it's changed a bit now because of the chicanes. And it's it's really the, the run out of Black Hill down yeah. to the chicane there um, yeah. is is kind of the last place you're going to do anything. And, and that's where you have to really think about it. And not being a good multifunctioner, um, a person that could think on three things at a time, it was used to wrap my brains about where I wanted to be, who I wanted to be next to. And, and yeah. generally, I got it wrong. <laughs> Oh well, <laughs> but, it, it but it, you know that that's. I mean, we've had some brilliant, brilliant races and, and final moves, haven't we? Down yeah, um, we have. in, yeah. into the final chicanes and things like that. And, and we have. I'm really looking forward to it again. Mm. We have. We, we've seen some epic races. To be fair, in there, but one of the things that you said just just a while ago is like the golden era. I will call it. You know, before things started getting very sophisticated with machinery and stuff like that like you've raced with some of the absolute legends of the sport you know mm. so who is who is your man your i would suppose like who is the, the person that um you found was the best around the northwest like just every time you rode with them or watched them or they just went Oh, I don't know. That's a, that's a really quite a tough question because I don't think when I was racing there, there was apart maybe Joey was the slightly. I mean, he won more races there, I think, than um, than than most. He's I think well, Sealy that's won most uh, overall, yeah. but Joey in my period was was probably the man. Um, but I never felt at the Northwest there was anyone really dominant because arguably it was who jetted there but i mean we've got to talk about two strokes because that's what it was it who'd got mm. the right gear in and jetting on won the race really mm-hmm. um yeah. because it was so much about speed um and it to a certain extent it is a little bit now but it was just you know you 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 risked whether you're going to die by the bike season up or win the race so i guess <laughs> yeah. sometimes it was a brave bike brave guy that won it because you'd go down a half a jet or one main jet and the bike would pull another five horsepower and that could easily win the race but at the Northwest 200, I had so many good guys I raced against, you know, and I could name you know, John Newbos, John Williams, Dave Potters, Tom Herons, Joey Dunlop, uh, Stuart Avant, all those guys riding similar bikes to what I was riding, and Mick Grant, obviously, in there. Um, and any one of us 
could have won the race. It was often about who had got the jetting right, who had got their maths right and worked out who was going to be the one that got the slips down down into the Metropole. In, in other racing, there's people that stand out in my mind that were brilliant. And I'd have to say Kenny Roberts Sr. was probably the guy that I raced against and sometimes watched and couldn't believe what he was doing. And I'm not taking anything away from anyone else because mm. Barry Sheen was absolutely brilliant. But Kenny Roberts in my era was probably the man that had the target on his back because he came over and, yeah. and sort of showed us all how it should be done. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's great. And and then I suppose the big the big events. Well, it depends on which one is your favourite event. But the kind of the big two weeks in June. Then the the Isle of Man. I suppose. If you were to sum it up in a sentence, how would you sum up the whole Isle of Man festival? Oh, um, a whole bunch of madmen riding ridiculous motorcycles round a crazy circuit. Um, and that's exactly what it is. I want to say to people, if they're watching this and they love road racing, do not get complacent because it won't go on forever. No. Um, and I'm sad to say that because I wished it would, but it can't. I mean, we've had a scare already with the Northwest this year. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going there. And in fact, I, at one point, I thought, that's it. It's another another part of my life's rich tapestry that I'm not going to enjoy anymore. Mm. Don't get complacent. For God's sake, if you go into the Northwest and there's not a ticket somewhere that you have to buy, buy a program, do whatever you can because it will go. And it's all very well saying, oh, it's always been free and it should be forever. But that is bullshit. You cannot run these events for nothing for free um, because the insurance premiums are huge. Everyone's suing. There's litigation going on everywhere. Um, one of my jobs, um, and you're probably completely unaware of it, is I work as an expert witness. And I've got two cases going on at Mondello Park, and that's not going to happen in motorcycle racing, I believe, this year. Yeah. Um, and it's down to insurance. People, yeah. you know, we're in this no-blame world, and everyone falls off their motorbike, and they can't accept the fact that they screwed up themselves and they want to sue someone so we're in a yeah. world of litigation and road racing won't go on forever and it could be next year that there isn't a northwest it could be next year there isn't even a tt get yeah. to go if you've got the chance go there as soon as you can well i will definitely be at the northwest i'm staying in a, a place called bally castle okay so i've heard of bally castle Very yeah pretty, so, so it's about 15 kilometers from port rush so be nice right. and nice and easy to get in and out, but hopefully. Uh, right. Well, I'll uh, be I'll be staying in the Macroboy Chicane Hotel or Macroboy Chicane, which isn't the prettiest place, but it's very very handy. They serve a good pint and the food's all right. And generally, I get to sleep there, and then the rest of the time I'm in the paddock area. So I'm almost certain to see you. Yeah. Well, definitely, I will 100% look you up. I'm sure we could. If it's raining, I'll come in and I'll commentate. It's not because right, it's okay. not because it's, it's the only dry place. Do you know what I mean? You can give me that, a show. That will stop Keith Ewing talking a bit, then. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I can out talk Keith Ewing. Trust oh, me, on. I can. I yeah. I'm I'm very subdued today compared to what I normally am. It's normally oh, I talk yeah. for the hour and Jake just tries to get an all ad word in. Um, oh, he just yeah. I'll run right over. <laughs> but the TT, I suppose, you know. We had kind of the dramas in the northwest with the tires last last year, and you could see on some of the riders' faces last year when they were about to set off on the the, the Dunlop slicks. You know, they were pretty worried. To be to be fair, mm. what do you think is going to happen with this year? Both tire, I suppose, tires for both. 
I don't know what's going to happen. I guess I would imagine that they're all very, very nervous because the bikes aren't getting slower. They're only getting faster. Um, and it was down to, I guess, good track conditions. It was dry and sunny. The speeds were higher than and the horsepower was higher than they expected. I don't know. I mean, Dunlops it actually went back to using the treaded tyres, even for the superbikes, and even they didn't. Uh, we had problems. Was it who who had it? Was it Peter Hickman at the TT? Even had David Todd, yeah. David Todd, yeah. Even at the TT, because again, that's uh, only getting faster and faster. So you can't believe it's not beyond the realms of um, the ability of tyre manufacturers to make a tyre that will do the job. But every time you make a tyre that will do the job, you lose grip. And that mm -hmm. rider's not happy because he's yeah. not going as fast as he did last year. So mm -hmm. it's going to be awkward. I, I suspect that there won't be many people on Dunlops at the Northwest this year. So if it is um, Metzler that are supplying the tyres, they can afford to come back a bit because they're not competing against anyone. That's always the problem when you've got, you know, we love competition. You've got two, three tyre manufacturers competing against one another. They want the fastest lap all the time. Um, but maybe maybe there, someone sat down and worked out that they can make a tyre that will do the distance and do the job. Because it was awful last year. I remember the main event last year, there was only half the grid out there because Dunlop stopped anyone going out there. So yeah. that was dreadful for the sport. Um, but I, I'm quite sure everyone's learnt a great deal from what happened last year. And with any kind of luck, we won't have any, any issues like that uh, this coming year. Yeah, hope, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Now, one of the questions that I asked you about the the Northwest, and you you said the Guinness. Uh, what are you most looking forward to about setting your foot on the island again this year? Do you know what? On 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 the, on the island, Northern Isle of Man. Island, or you mean the oh, Isle, the Isle of Man? Ah, oh, uh, I have lots of friends out there because I used to live there. I lived on the Isle of Man for ten years, so I have lots of very close friends out there, um, and. Uh, I am, and I know this seems weird for a motorcycle racer, I really enjoy golf now because it's something I can still do and there's some excellent golf courses out there and just right. being, you know, on that beautiful island, I love having a pint down in Peel and places like that and some of the little fishing villages, it is a very, very pretty island. But trust me, if you live there, it becomes very dull and dank and miserable in the winter months. Um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 uh, it is like you can have three seasons in about three hours out there. Yeah, but yeah. I still, I'll always have an affinity with the Isle of Man. A, because I, uh, I did it and I survived it and I came away from it. B, I love the TT. And C, I've lots of very close friends out there and maybe... Even further down the road, it's a very, very pretty island. So yeah, I'm, I'll always enjoy going back there. And as you said, you 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 rigged it, you you competed on it. Like, is there a section of of, of the the Isle of Man that that is just your section that you're just like, you like, you sit in sit in your chair just reminiscing of times in the, on the island. Like, is there a section of, of it where you my favourite part was out of. Um, governor's dip to the flipping finishing line if i've told the truth <laughs> that, yeah. successfully done yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. getting getting to that checkered flag and being able to go home probably was my favorite part i i always struggled with the section from ginger hall to um to ramsey and it's probably just the fact that the bikes we were riding and I, I, it was Charlie Williams, my old mate that uh, I'm still close friends with, that raced out there and was hugely successful. I'm not sure if it's nine or ten um, <coughs> times he won the TT, but he always reckoned um, on the TZs, and whether it be a 350 or a 500 or a 750, 
you were like a rat in a dog's mouth and it was just being shaken left to right and and it was just madness because you couldn't see where you're going you're bouncing around i once had a handlebar break off down solby straight because it was so bumpy um and i talk about shit myself you know one-handed with that the throttle hand was just waving around in the air at 160 miles an hour um but i always struggle with that but I, I don't know, really. That I just every part of the Isle of Man is so so demanding. Um, but if I disliked any part, it was from Ginger Hall, Kerrimore, and all through there, uh, Conquer Trees. They were the bits that that probably scared me. I reckon I rode that at eighty percent, and the rest at maybe ninety percent, and that was about as far as I ever went. And I always finished in the sort of top ten. I got a third there one year. Uh, Joey won it. Tony Rutter was second. I was third, but I don't know what they. I was riding at eighty, ninety percent, and they must have been riding at ninety, ninety-five. And and I just never really wanted to die. Frankly, I was allergic to pain. <laughs> Motor, Motor As a newbie, I do have a question. Makes sense. The, the, isn't the what is the part where you go flying through the air with the the, the, the jump and you come down? Tire comes down and in the. In the, in the and the, and the rim's twisting like I can't yeah. be holding hold together after the first landing. Uh, that isn't that the most ex- scariest part of the whole place? No, it's not no. really because I mean you're in the <laughs> air, but you're only doing about forty-five miles an hour. There's other oh, places no. where you're okay. There's other places when you're in the air much much faster, and you don't really know what's going to happen when you land. So no, Balaf isn't. There's no time really to be lost or made there. You just get the thing over. And, and people that jump the furthest are usually the slowest because you want the wheels on the ground to accelerate. Yes. So mm-hmm. you watch the smart guys and the fast guys, they usually don't jump too much because you can't get any traction when you're in the air. So it's spectacular and it looks pretty good, but it's not the scariest part by any means. There's nothing. No, there's other, other areas where you're in the air and you're doing 160 miles an hour and, and they're the places that can get your attention even more. But it, it's good to watch from there. Yeah, yeah. We we actually have a, a friend of the channel who uh, who's actually out there, a guy called Manxman, and um, he's uh, his name is Keith Keith Forsyth, but he's a great guy. He's always sending us information about what's going on 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 the ground, and like even I like I remember watching the TT, trying to tune into Longwave Radio so that you could pick up Manx Radio <laughs> Manx Radio to 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 hear what's going on. And I suppose like last year, it kind of really broke a, a ceiling, I suppose, in the Isle of Man where it, it went, we'll call it digital. Do you know what I mean? You were able to stream the races live. I thought, yeah. it, really, I thought, I thought it did brilliant to bring the fans into there to see what exactly happened. Uh, because like Jake, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, but like there was only two ways you could watch what was going on in the, in the Isle of Man. The first one, uh, that I always remember was the radio, Manx Radio, and the second yeah. one um, then was that they ca- it came online actually, so that you could actually follow a leaderboard of uh, of what was going on. But it, it's like now it's it, it's it's really bringing it to the fans, and hopefully, you know what you what you said a while ago about buying a program, that people will actually just buy the actual the subscription and support it because it's. Like I said, it's, yeah, it is, no, everything no, is in they, danger. They must. 
someone came up with a great idea for the northwest, and it's very difficult to lock off every road and not let people in. But I think they should sell like a lanyard around your neck, and it sort of says that I've actually paid my twenty-five quid or whatever yes. it is, and you can you can buy a flipping yellow one, a red one, a blue one, whatever. And you know maybe the the one if you spend fifty quid, you get into the paddock area or whatever, whatever. And yeah. I think that something that should be done and if you're a true supporter of road race and you want to see it continue then you're going to have to pay the money because where else can you go and watch anything free you can't anymore can you no, you no. Know, there, there is no, there is nothing free anymore and there can't be and it's nothing to do with the teams and riders wanting more money it's all to do with the cost of administration and the running <laughs> and the insurances and everything that goes on with it um so i just hope that everyone realizes this has been a bit of a bit of a shake up and it's a bit of a scare for everyone um, and one of these days, it won't be happening unless something, you know, unless we support it. Uh, all the time we get people saying, you know, MotoGP, the subscription for the year is one hundred twenty dollars, and they're screaming. I said, buddy, it costs one hundred bucks for a tank of gas or a carton of cigarettes. Yeah. What do you expect? You're getting a whole year's worth of watching. You know, yeah, of the sport I, you yeah, love. I agree. Yeah, so well, I, was in, I was in. I was in London last Deal. weekend. I was in London last weekend. And I bought four drinks four gin and tonics and it came to 81 pounds that'd nearly buy you a subscription Jeez. wouldn't it for, for what come with the waiters yeah so uh, yeah uh, it's just something that we have to think about and maybe it's been a good thing that's scared us with the northwest because it just cannot carry on unless we pay to go and do something and yeah. there's going to be some people that won't turn up well that's what they're going to have to do simple as that the interesting yeah. thing at the northwest this year is that the the is covered by BBC Northern Ireland, filmed by Greenlight TV, which are based on the Isle of Man. But with the modern-day technology, they don't even need a, a production truck at the event now. They stream it all back to their yeah. headquarters in on uh, on the Isle of Man. And they're doing that a lot with races in America, streaming it back to the Isle of Man and stuff like that. So, again, it'll, the TV will only get better and better. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, you know, like... It's good that it gives the fans the access that can't make it there because like trying to get trying to get on the ferry to get to the Isle of Man is like it's booked out. I think twenty twenty four is already booked out. Do you know what I mean? You can't yeah, get there. Yeah. For, do you know what I mean? And it is just incredible to to try and get the access. And as I said, you know, you would only two two ways. You could never see it live. You could only listen to it live. Do you know what I mean? And you could mm. see the scoreboard or, or whatever, but. I just think, look, it, it's great that they're bringing it to the fans. And look, I'm all for, if you get if you get a, a day's entertainment, what's 10 or 15 quid just to say thank you? Jodine, mm -hmm. it's not even about... Do you mean uh, the ferry is actually, like, you can't get into the island? It's not to break you off yeah. for 2024? Because yeah. I want to go in 2024. We were planning on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you could fly in. You can fly you can fly in. Okay, good. Okay, I think I think you can. I think you can probably get on as a foot passenger or something. But like you say, motorhomes and vehicles are probably all all booked. Up, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Exactly. It is. It is ironic. It is ironic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's it's a it's it's some event, and I suppose one of my favourite races out there is 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 the is the blue ribbon is the senior race. Mm. You know, I think. I think it's going to be very hard to look past uh, Peter Hickman again this year. He was on fire last year, but you just—I suppose—you never know what's what's going to what's going to what's going to happen with it. But the senior is the one everyone wants. What's the nerves like for for for, for those races? So, so like the other races are scary, but this is one kind of there's a bit of 
every racer goes over, uh, they're kind of dreaming of that one. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think you know from my point, from my view, it didn't matter what race it was. The race was a race, whether it be the two fifty, three fifty, five hundred seniors, super stock, whatever. Um, you know, you go out there and do your thing, and I'd agree with you. Peter Hickman is very much on fire, um, and he's the man. But there is so many things that can go wrong at the TT, as we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Brooks is back, I think, this year. He is um, FHO, yeah. Davy Davy Todd's getting faster and faster. Um, you know, I think I think uh, Peter's Peter, Peter's only going to get more and more competition, not less. That's the way yeah. I see it. Um, yeah, I was yeah. actually spent I spent a couple <coughs> of weeks with Michael Dunlop actually over in South Africa. I went over there to do some classic. I actually saw that on in Instagram. He was, yeah, yeah, he was out there, and he's also you know he's bang on form. He's to get a lot of riding and things like that. But same old deal. Um, it's you know your machine is a big part of it. You've to finish first, first you must finish. finish. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And like it, it, it's always very hard to pick the winner. And I think that's I think that's what um I love about the TT is that, you know, like when we look at Hutchie when he when he did the five, do you know what I mean? No one thought he could do it, do you know what I mean? And then um you know, looking at like it was just pure it was pure luck in a in a few of them. John John pulled out with it, what was a like a little wire mm. broke or something? Do you know what I mean? He was in the lead, but look, it's um, it's something I suppose form can't even predict. Do you know what I mean? Because every race is different. You know, you have a good lap, a bad lap, a bad pit stop. Do you know, um, sure. which, which Jake I, would probably... I think I'm right. In, with Hachi, one of the races got stopped, and if it hadn't got stopped, they wouldn't have fixed the bike because he got something wrong with them. That's uh, right. Was it? It was the guy Martin crash, I think, wasn't it? And then yeah. Uh, they they stopped the race and Kachi got a problem with his bike and Paget's managed to fix the thing up and he went out. So you're right, a bit of a lottery at times, but yeah. And was it Cummins was in the lead at that stage actually when when that happened? Was it? Yeah, I can't I can't I can't, actually, I can't, yeah. I can't yeah. remember. But yeah. it's yeah. and then Cummins then didn't he, was he had an accident then as well? Yeah, with Guy Merton on the restart, wasn't it? He had that big off yeah, of the veranda. That's right. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, look, it's it's. It's it's a scary place, but it's a holy grail of a place for bikers to go. And if you can yeah. get the chance to go there, absolutely. But if you're living around a small road race, like there's a small road race on here in Cork, you know, might as well go and support mm-hmm. it. Buy a jersey or a t-shirt or whatever. Support the club that's running it. Yeah. Um. Just so because look, we I don't think we'll have it here. Well, sorry. There is final negotiations or there's negotiations on with insurance companies here it was the last time I saw from the Motorcycle Union of Ireland that they were mm. they were hoping to get it going because it is it is a shame. Now, um, I'm a big fan of the there's a little drag race on down in, in West Cork. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of, of that. They close off one of the main arteries into West Cork and, and we go racing on it, which I find fairly funny. Do you know what I mean? In this day and age, where 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 things are going, but um, yeah, I suppose other than the TT, uh, I do have a fascination of, and I, I said this to you earlier. One of my first memories of you was in the BP green big green truck. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to know how you got from bike racing over into truck racing. Um, uh, basically, a fear of having a proper job. Um, I never want to get one of those and having retired from racing bikes and then moving into running my Yamaha Loctite Yamaha team which Mm -hmm. was going very well 
Barry Sheen got a deal to race a daft truck. And, and as we used to hang out a lot together, I was a bit jealous and wanted to have a go in truck racing because he was doing it. Uh, and I approached Mercedes Benz and um, they accepted the fact that I, t- I just told him I could drive a truck, which I'd never driven one, but I told him I could <laughs> and um, had a go at it. And I could. I was pretty good at it. So um, it sort of went from there, really, a bit of serendipity, just right time, right place. Uh, and truck racing had just turned up in the UK in 1984, four or five, I can't remember. Um, and it all went really well to start with. And then I realised that it wasn't going to get me to so many hospitals as motorbikes did. Mm-hmm. And then Mercedes-Benz decided to pay me a lot more money than I got from motorcycle racing. And it was a, a match made in heaven. heaven. So it went on for another 10 years and it enabled me to carry on racing for 10 years longer than I ever could have raced motorcycles. Um, and, and, and the trucks were pretty, pretty quick, weren't they? Oh, they were Too ridiculously busy. fast. Yeah. My last, I last raced a truck when Mercedes retired, was quit the sport at the end of 2001. And the truck I raced, I've got a picture up there. It was about 2,200 horsepower, had 7,000 newton meters of torque, and it would make a 911 turbo Porsche look pathetic off the line. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. It was, I, it was fast. I, I, I actually remember that I, I was watching them going to 100 miles an hour. Like this was the old old telemetry on on uh, Eurosport, mm. which was pretty crap. But it is. Showing trucks going, I thought it was 100 kilometers an hour, but at the time then it was actually miles per hour. And it's just like, it can't mm. be a truck going 100 miles an hour mm. on a little racetrack. <laughs> mm. oh, yeah, yeah. At a full field they, of trucks going into a hairpin drama. It was diesel. Diesel, diesel or gas? Diesel. The diesel, yeah. Diesel? 12 yeah. litre yeah. diesel with 2,200 horsepower. They were <laughs> ridiculous, really. Yeah. It was absolutely epic. I, I, I actually used to love watching it. But the, the actual diesel technology was, it certainly with Mercedes, and I guess most of the other manufacturers were involved, which was MAN, DAF, Caterpillar, you name it. Uh, a lot of the diesel technology came from truck racing because when it started in 1985, the only reason you would buy a diesel car is if you like the smell or the noise. Because they yes, were shy. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but by, the by the 2000s, diesels were winning Le Mans 24-hour races. So That's right. technology um, improved immensely. And, and personally, I still drive a diesel car because it's got more torque and it's better fuel consumption and it's just as quiet as a petrol. So a lot of diesel technology was actually um, developed via truck racing. Well, on that bombshell, we're going to end it up for end for today. But Steve, look, thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much. Um, I really, really can't wait for the Northwest. It's 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 only Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks away now, um, or a couple of days, depending on when you're watching this. But um, yeah, I will definitely meet you for a pint. Um, Okay, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see who we we might even put a bet on Friday night to see who. uh, who takes yeah, the, right. the Northwest Trophy? On the all Saturday. right. Okay. Well, after Thursday, we'll have a better idea, won't we? We will exactly. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have an idea, a genuine idea, anyway, a genuine idea. But, uh, yeah. but look, thanks right. again so much for coming on. Okay. And, uh, Take uh, we'll care. See, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye.